you're listening to Adulthood Academy. I'm your host, Angela Hatchie. This community is a resource for all those adulthood things many of us were never formally taught. That's all the stuff from learning to handle your finances to navigating different relationships. It's all in here. I've spent years working to figure out adulthood, feeling like I was shooed out into the world wholly underprepared. Since then, I've gotten myself out of debt and prepared myself financially for my future, learned to cook and bake pretty good stuff, and learned to start saying important things out loud in all kinds of relationships. There is far more ahead to learn than there is behind, and that's what I'm here for, to foster this community of perpetual go-getters who are working to fulfill their potential in every facet of life. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get in there. What's up, you guys? Welcome to another episode of Adulthood Academy. It's amazing to have you here, and I hope you're having a great week. This week, we're going to talk all about consumerism and how it's kind of like stymieing your ability to build wealth. Um, Consumerism, basically just people spending money, accounts for 70% of the U.S. economy. Really, it's no wonder that we're consistently marketed to and companies spend billions of dollars in advertising every single year, right? Now, I'm not condemning buying stuff. I think spending and using your money is fantastic. It's a great way to enjoy your money. That's the reason you work so hard is so that you can spend your money on the things that make your life better, right? Responsibly managing your money allows you to do all of the amazing things that make your life happy and the things that make your life fulfilling. Not that money equals happiness, but money allows you to do things and gives you options. So what we're going to be discussing in this episode is the overextending yourself with more purchases than are really necessary and just kind of like simply spending for the sake of spending, even if that purchase doesn't really serve you and your long-term goals. So stick around for this episode. I'll help you identify areas where consumerism is hurting your long-term financial goals and your ability to enjoy your money responsibly and give you some tools to take back control of that chunk of money that we're talking about. And before we do that, let's talk about budget planners. My budget planners are available. People are loving them. I love using mine every Friday to my weekly money check-in and it's what holds me accountable to my budget and to my goals. So the budget planners are 12 months long. They're undated so you can start whenever you want. There are monthly worksheets in there that will help support you with your budget. So there's the monthly budget page, there's an expense tracker, there's a subscription tracker, there's everything you need in there to stay accountable to your goals and keep track of all of those details. There's also annual worksheets that will help you track month over month your progress towards those longer term goals. So if you're saving for a car, at the end of every month, you're going to go in and update your amount that you were saved this month so that you can keep a running tab on everything that you're saving for so you can make sure you're to your goal when you need to be. They are amazing. You can buy the hard copy and it's print on demand so it will get printed, a fresh one and mailed to your house, or you can buy the PDF version and print as you go. Um, or take it to like home, not Home Depot, Office Depot <laughs> and print out a hard copy of the PDF Whatever you prefer is great. So you can head to my website, angelahatchie.com slash budget planners, or the link to purchase yours will be in the show notes as well. Let me open up this episode about consumerism with a mind-blowing statistic. The average American spends about $18,000 every year on unnecessary expenses. That's about $1,500 a month, every single month, 
for your entire life. <laughs> and I'm going to put the source for those stats. I always have, if I cite anything or I have stats, I will always put it in the show notes too, but that's from USA Today. Okay. That sounds like a lot, right? And it, it really is. In fact, it's not just a lot of money like on extra spending. It's a lot of money outright, but it's also a lot considering that 40% of Americans don't have $400 in their bank account for an emergency. And it's actually a crisis. We're over our extending ourselves in so many areas of, of our lives, buying homes that we can't actually afford. We're leasing new cars every few years, buying cars that are way above what we can afford, spending on Amazon multiple times a week, impulse buying when we're bored or we're not feeling great or we want to treat ourselves. It's completely out of control, but it doesn't need to be this way. And there's a better way. And it's not flashy. It's not easy to market. It's not like sexy, but it's why nobody wants to do it and nobody wants to sell it. Just like the diet industry is a $71 billion industry, but 90% of diets fail. Even with those statistics, people are looking for the easy and the fast way to achieve whatever the results are. And because when the answer is eat healthy and move your body, it's not a very marketable thing, right? It's an, and it's definitely not overnight success. And it is exactly the same with money management. The answer to the majority of people's issues and stress is simply to budget effectively. That's it. Nobody wants to sell you the actual solution to your money problems because budgeting isn't a billion dollar industry. Nobody wants to sell it to you. They want to sell you day trading, trying to out earn any spending that you do, spending a shitload of money on cars and homes and perfumes and clothes that you can't really afford, instantaneous satisfaction when you have when you can one click buy something on Amazon and it arrives the next day, the ease of getting food delivered, buying new clothes whenever you want. It is so much easier to market, sell, and make a ton of money off of. And I know it's easy to just say, budget and spend less of your money. It's a whole different beast to actually do these things in your busy life. So I want you to reflect on that and think about all of the ways that you're marketed to and consumerism affects your life. Because when we look at it on kind of like the objective level of like people trying to sell you a solution to your money problems, the answer is always spend more money, isn't it? It's never like, here's what you can actually do to fix it. So let's put that $1,500 a month into context that we just talked about, that the average American spends about $1,500 every single month for their entire lives on not just impulsive spending, but like things that might not be necessary. So all those things we talked about, like random stuff on Amazon, if you're bored and you're just shopping, um, impulsive buying clothes, all that kind of stuff that you don't necessarily need and doesn't really add a ton of value to your life. If you're around 30 years old, which is my target market here, and you haven't started saving for retirement, if you put that amount, that $1,500 into a retirement account every month, you would have $3.2 million at retirement. Or you could retire early if you didn't need $3.2 million. You could take your family on a vacation every single year with that money. Over a lifetime, you could buy multiple homes in cash. You could pay for your kids to go to college. You could buy an investment property and retire early. Now that you have like a sense of what amount we're talking about and working with every month, we have to talk about strategy because understanding that the money is there, it might not be $1,500 for you. It's not $1,500 for me. Um, even if it's like a couple hundred dollars that we're impulsively spending or just going towards consumerism and things that are not necessary for our lives. And I don't mean like 
on vacation or something that you really enjoy, 100% I agree, like go spend that money, but save for it in advance. If you want to go on vacation, set aside a vacation fund. It's the money that doesn't have a purpose that we're just kind of spending and we don't really know what to do with. So it might not be $1,500. The $1,500 is the average American, how much they spend um, extra. I'm going to share with you how I've made slow changes to rein in my consumerism while still spending on all those things that add to my life and contribute to the long-term stuff that I care about. It was a process for me to figure out, okay, where am I overspending money that I don't want to, that's not adding to my life, and how can I rein that in? Now, let's talk about the logistics and the strategy of how to identify consumerism in your life and work to kind of weed it out and rein it in. The very first thing is learn what areas you're tempted to spend in. I will give you some easy ways to do this. Track your expenses for a month to see where you're spending. If every month you see like, whoa, I'm spending more money than I want to at Anthropology or on Amazon, that's a great place to start because if you're not tracking where that money is going, it's hard to rein it in, right? The next thing would be to identify what emails, marketing, and apps cause you to want to spend. If you are signed up for the marketing list for your favorite clothes store, and every time they email you and they always have a good sale, like I have this problem with, I don't know if you know about Duluth. Duluth has like women's workwear and all of their stuff is amazing. And they're always coming out with amazing new clothes and they always have a sale going. So I had to unsubscribe because I was like, every time I get an email from them, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I would like to have this, please. And it's always on sale or it's always free shipping and it's just too tempting. So when I need something, I just go to Duluth and I go get it because I know they always have a sale and I know they're always going to have good stuff. So it doesn't really matter if I get the marketing email from them. When I'm ready, I will go to them. I don't need them to come to me multiple times a week and basically pitch me. So if you have emails and marketing and apps that are really tempting to you, unsubscribe, take them off your phone. That's an easy, easy way to just get them out of sight, out of mind. The next would be to identify your mindset as you spend. Is it that you're treating yourself because you had a great week? Are you buying something to make yourself feel better? You don't want to spend time thinking about the consequences of overspending before you do it. I used to do this all the time. Like I wouldn't think about, okay, if I buy something on Amazon, is it going to impact my ability to pay my bill that's coming next week? Or is it going to impact my ability to save for retirement? Like I would just do it quickly so that I wouldn't have enough time to think about it. So start identifying your mindset as you're doing these consumer activities, as you're spending on Amazon, as you're browsing through marketing emails, like identify what your mindset, what your emotions are as it's happening. Because if we can't identify what it is, it's really hard to overcome that thing. Your next step is to define what success and happiness looks like to you. Is happiness to you a closet full of new clothes? Is it a large house? Because ensuring that those values and your spending are aligned is going to help you overcome some consumerism. If success and happiness is not having a closet full of new clothes, it makes it a lot easier to trim down on those expenses and put that money toward something that does equal happiness for you and your family. It's just an easy way to check in with yourself and you're like, okay, listen, I'm spending a lot of money on clothes every month. Does that make me happy? Does that add to my life? Or would that money better be served going to something that actually makes me happy, brings value to me and my family? Because that totally helps if you're putting it into like a bigger picture context and you're like, well, I could definitely be putting this money towards vacation. That would make me a lot happier than having 
you know, a closet full of new clothes that you may not wear and may not find a ton of value in. Number three is to give yourself a boundary. Money management is never about fully restricting yourself and feeling guilty every time you spend on something that you don't necessarily need. It's about establishing boundaries and allowing yourself to spend reasonable amounts on the things that you enjoy. If you like going to coffee, give yourself $200 a month to do that and enjoy that experience guilt-free. After you've tracked your expenses for a month, do a gut check and see if the amount you're spending in those areas fits what you feel is appropriate. So for example, if you track expenses for a month and you find you're spending $450 on eating out and you're like, oh shit, that's a lot. That's way more than I want to be spending. Give yourself a boundary of $300 a month and spend it as you wish while knowing you can put that extra money toward a different goal. So it's not like let's cut it to the bone and completely cut out going out to restaurants and the things that make you happy. Say, okay, that's fine. I'll give myself a good, healthy, reasonable amount. I'll give myself $300 a month and I will spend it and it'll be guilt-free because it's not taking money out of the other things that I want to put my money towards. So make sure to give yourself boundaries on the things that you love doing. Love going out to coffee, love going out to restaurants. You like buying clothes. Just give yourself an amount and hold yourself accountable to that instead of just like going buck wild and spending whatever you want in those areas. That's where we get into trouble. The next area is to build outstanding money habits. Habits are what you can lean on when you don't feel like it or you're lacking motivation. As you work to continuously build those positive money habits into your life, it also reinforces that you are somebody who is responsible with your money. So those habits look like weekly money check-ins, setting those spending boundaries we talked about, thinking long-term, consistently saving for your goals, planning in advance for large expenses, allocating money towards things you love and enjoying that money and experience. They don't need to be wake up at 5 a.m. and work on your finances. It doesn't need to be get seven side hustle jobs so you're making a ton of money. They just need to be those little things where you're checking in with yourself, where you're building a structure that you can lean on when you don't feel like it. I can't tell you the amount of times that I'm like, I don't want to do this right now. Like, I don't want to check on my money. I don't want to set up my budget this month. And when I'm lacking motivation, the habits that I built always bring me back to where I need to be. Because even if I lose track for like two weeks, I haven't done my weekly money check-in, eventually I will get to the point where I'm like, I'm feeling uncomfortable because I haven't done these habits that I've been relying on for six years. And it forces me to sit down. I'm like, okay, it's only going to take me 10 minutes. I know exactly what I need to do to get back on track. And I'm there before I know it. It's just an easy way. It's like the bumpers (laughs) when you go bowling to just keep you on track keep you from falling into the gutter. Your habits keep you on track and let you lean on them when you're lacking that motivation. And they're really important to build. So it was something that took a long time. I've been working on my money habits for about six years now, and it was a slow roll. Like I didn't do anything. I didn't do any of these things overnight. I built up long-term goals, figured out how to do weekly money check-ins. I had to figure out setting spending boundaries, do some trial and error. I was like, okay, 300 bucks is not enough or 300 bucks is too much. And I had to figure those things out and kind of tinker with them. And that's just what the process is. It's not an overnight fix it, which is what we talked about in the beginning. None of this stuff is like an overnight fix that people want to market you. It's just putting in the work and chipping away at your goals and being consistent about it. And that's it. That's why it's hard to market and hard to people hard to get people on board because you got to work for it and it's not going to be an overnight transformation. 
This next piece is to prioritize goals and to think big picture. When I work with people, I find that a lack of prioritization is usually a problem. If you're just trying to put money towards everything at once, it can become really discouraging when something comes up and ruins your progress. You can't save as quickly as you want to. You can't save the full amount and then you have to take money from like your savings or from something else. Taking the time at the beginning of each month to think about your expenses coming up in the coming month or the next few months will help ensure that you're ready for those things. So I do this in the middle of the month. I do it at the beginning of every month and I do it at the end. I'm like, okay, what's coming up in the next month that I can start saving for now? What's coming up in six months that maybe I can put like 20 bucks away for now and 20 bucks next month? so that it's not such a daunting task where I'm like, oh, should I need to save $600 by next month? That can be really discouraging. So if you're prioritizing goals and you need to save for a new car and a new house and a surgery and you want to buy a dog and all of this stuff, it's really can be really discouraging if you don't have a ton of money to work with, a ton of money, a ton of extra money, and you're just able to put like 50 bucks towards everything instead of like, a couple hundred dollars towards your first priority, saving for that, and then moving on to the next one. Nothing is more discouraging than making progress towards those goals and then having like a huge expense come up that ruins your plans and gets you off track. And that also happens all the time. If you're like, great, I'm going to be able to save for this in one month. And then of course something comes up, like your car breaks down, you need to get new tires and then you can't save for that thing. And then again, you're in the same spot where you're pulling from your savings or from something else. So checking in every single month, it doesn't take very long. It's not like a daunting process. Just at the end of every month, you're like, okay, what can I start saving for now? What's coming up that I can set myself up for success. There are a lot of things that you can start thinking of. If you're like, I don't even know what I can start saving for. Things like car maintenance is always a great idea. I always have a thousand dollars in a car maintenance fund because I like to be prepared (laughs) and I always have it fully stocked up. And if I know that something is coming up, like I always tell my mechanic, like, if the next time I come here, what's going to be the thing that I need to do? And please tell me, how much it's going to cost so I can save for in advance. My car maintenance fund is for like, if I didn't predict it or I couldn't save for it, I have a fund there. So if you don't have a car maintenance fund, that's a great one to start thinking about. Going on vacation, always, I always have one of those going. <laughs> if you need to attend a wedding, if you have an upcoming holiday, upcoming surgery, if you know something is coming, it's not in your best interest to just ignore it and hope that you have money when the time comes. You know it's happening. So spend that time each month thinking into your future so you can prepare, even if that means that you have to put less towards your long-term goals for a while. And this is something else that I work with my clients on if they're like, okay, I'm really focused on saving for um, a vacation this summer. I say, great, well, what else is coming up in your life that you know you're gonna have to spend money on? And then we talk about like, okay, well, I have to go to a wedding in a couple months. I'm like, okay, well, let's start saving for that because you know it's going to happen. And then they say, okay, well, I also know that I'm going to need to get maintenance on my car. I'm like, okay, well, let's factor that into the budget because if we know it's happening, isn't it better to save for it and plan for it and just pay for it in cash so it doesn't like come out of your vacation fund or whatever else long-term thing you're saving for. It can be like the mental game of this. This next one is removing temptations. We talked a few minutes ago about unsubscribing from marketing emails that tempt you. That's a great way to remove temptations and something that I did like, I know everybody has a busy life and it's hard to like, everybody has a to-do list a mile long of just like, okay, when I get the time, like backend stuff, like I think everybody probably has on their list delete photos from their phone or upload photos to your drive or all that kind of stuff. 
add to that list, unsubscribe from marketing emails that tempt you. Like if you have those things going on the weekend, if that's when you do like your admin kind of stuff, just go through your emails as they come in or on the weekends and just unsubscribe to the ones that are really tempting for you. I do this as they come in because otherwise I'm like, get overwhelmed by them. So if I accidentally subscribe to something or I put my email in to get a discount code or something and the marketing emails come in to me, I will just unsubscribe as the first one comes in so that I'm like, I don't have to worry about it. So that might be a better way to do that for you. Um, the next would be to substitute something positive in to fill that void of spending. So for example, like going on a walk when you've had a rough day, instead of just sitting down on your couch, opening your Amazon app and shopping, if you can swap in something to kind of like take your mind off of it, if that's your go-to thing, when you've had like a rough day at work, you want to sit down and scroll through Instagram and buy stuff, or you want to scroll through Amazon or whatever your thing is go for a 10 minute walk and just take your mind off of it. That was the first way that I started kind of putting a, putting a wrench in my habits was seeing what little things I did and finding other little positive things to substitute in instead of doing the thing that I didn't want to do. If your go-to activity when you spend times with spend time with family and friends is to spend more money than you're comfortable spending, find a, re a replacement and have that hard conversation with your friends or family. So a lot of people that I know, whenever their family comes to town or they're hanging out with their friends, it's always like a huge expense because they want to go out to a fancy dinner. They want to go out to breakfast every day. And it's just like a flurry of spending money. And if you don't have that money available or you want it to go to other things and you're not really comfortable with that amount that you would be spending you got to find a replacement and have that hard conversation. And this is the hard part because doing it with yourself is one thing, but having to have conversations with other people in your life about the things you're doing or the money you're spending together can also be really hard. It may not be a pleasant conversation, but I think it's important to have that conversation of like, hey, you know, I'm really working on saving for a house or saving for this. Um, when you visit, can we make breakfast at home and just make a really nice Maybe we can make eggs Benedict or like try a fancy dessert at home. Um, or can we do something that maybe doesn't cost as much money? I understand that having those conversations is really hard and it can be uncomfy, but it's really important if it's like, that's a factor in your life where you're like, Oh, every time my mom comes to town, it's like, we just spend money. We want to go shopping. We want to go do all these things that cost a ton of money. And then I'm kind of shit out of luck for the next month or your friends come to town and it's just like a ton of money getting spent it's something that needs to be addressed because if you're not comfortable spending that amount of money, then if you're not going to do something about it, nobody is, right? <laughs> so I wanted to give you a personal example, um, not about the friends or family coming to town, but about changing that little habit and substituting in a positive one. Um, if I feel bored, I used to open a tab on my computer or my phone and just like add things to some cart. Like I would have a couple tabs open and I work to overcome that by always having a book that I'm really excited to read. So if I'm bored, that became my new go-to. If I was like, okay, I really am, don't have anything to do right now. And so I'm just going to browse on old Navy or I'm going to browse on anthropology or something. And I would just start adding things to my cart. Now I'm just like, okay, I have a book that I'm I always have a book that I'm excited to read. So if I'm bored, why don't I just go do that instead? Because that's better for my bank account and for my goals, but also it's a more productive thing to do. 
And the very last thing is to get the support you need. So changing those spending habits, having those hard conversations and changing saving habits can be really difficult. And it is that very long process. And if you don't have the support from the people in your life, I think it's time to find a community in person, online, that can be encouraging and motivating to you because we just talked about if your family comes down, your friends come to town and they are not on the same um, wavelength as you. And it does take people, like if you're in the space where you're starting to really work on your finances or if you've been doing it for a long time, you know that once you're doing that thing, you notice that it's not a priority for a lot of other people. And so if you're in that place where you're like, listen, this is a priority for me and having those conversations and getting people to understand why you're doing what you're doing can be really difficult and really discouraging because people don't always, and I know it depends on your situation, but people don't always like to see you doing well and succeeding and doing something that's different and going against like taking out debt and just getting a new car and not always having the nicest things. There will always be people in your life that don't understand what you're doing or why you feel the need to work on your finances or save so much for retirement. And why don't you just spend that money on now? Because you never know. Like there will always be people giving you commentary, (laughs) whether you ask for it or not. So if you don't have the people in your life that are like on board, even if they're not doing it themselves, but if they're not supportive of what you're doing, this process is already hard enough. Having to do it with people that don't support you or always have something stupid to say to you is going to make it even harder. It's damn near impossible when the people in your life don't support it or push their negative thoughts and beliefs on you. And if you want to go it alone, like it will definitely build your character, but it will be more difficult. And people are generally like finances or anything else are generally more successful when the people in their life and the influences in their life are there to support them. So there's a ton of resources out there. Join Facebook groups. There's a ton of like personal finance, Facebook groups, follow people with similar goals on Instagram. That one can be, um, a a difficult thing to do because a lot of stuff on Instagram is like marketing material or, uh, you know, they added a shopping feature to Instagram. We're just consistently surrounded by people spending money and we have no context for it. So a lot of people, I had an episode, I think the very first episode of the season was about how we compare ourselves now vertically to people instead of horizontally, meaning like now we can compare ourselves to like Kim Kardashian or people who are really famous or people who have a ton of money or people who are in a ton of debt and we just don't know it. We have no context for them. All we see is like an Instagram feed where they're doing like Amazon hauls or they got designer clothes like comped and sent to them. Like we have no context and we're striving to be those people, but we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And I will tell you, whenever I see those things, all I see is like, people in a lot of debt because that's honestly usually what it is is people living way above their means like even if they make a ton of money like you would be shocked i have worked with people who make three hundred thousand four hundred thousand dollars a year and they're like drowning in debt so never take the people on social media at face value you can't compare where you are to where they are and they probably don't have the similar goals because if they're not saving for a house they don't want to pay off all their debt obviously their actions are not going to be aligned with that. So find people who are have similar goals that you're aligned with on Instagram. Listen to financial podcasts or motivating podcasts like this one. There's a ton of other ones. You don't have to just listen to me. <laughs> you can listen to 
a bunch of other people. Um, you can find a family member or a friend who you know can be supportive and you know you can trust and share your goals and your progress with them. Um, and be, I always tell people, be really selective about who you share your goals with because like I just said, some people will not understand and they will try to kind of like push their perspective on you. So if you're choose to share what you're working on. If you're like, listen, I'm going to really going to bust my ass to get out of debt this year or save for house or pay for vacation cash. If you are choosing to share that with somebody and you don't know that you can handle if they're going to have negative feedback, don't share with them. It's not necessary. Go find somebody else. I made that mistake a couple times where I shared like business goals with somebody um, or with a couple people. And it was just like, I was not mentally prepared for their reaction or, or in their words that I was like, I took it too personal and I chose the wrong person to share with. So make sure you're sharing with the right person. Or if you are like prepared, if you're going to share it with somebody and you don't know what the reaction is, you have to be prepared to take whatever they say <laughs> with a grain of salt um, and kind of go about it that way. So I'm going to give you some action items for this week. It's small steps every week. We just take small steps every month. We're taking small steps and that's how you really transform things in a year from now and two years from now, you'll look back and say, holy shit, thank God I started because all those small things really add up. So the first thing, these are your action items, identify the emotions and moods that cause you to want to overspend. If that's journaling about it, if that's keeping track in your notes on your phone, whatever way you need to, just identify the emotions and moods that have caused you to want to overspend and not attaching really any guilt to it. If you like binge spent on Amazon, not feeling badly about it and having the guilt attached because if you're taking that small step to journal about it, you're like, okay, well, I overspent on Amazon because I had a bad day at work and I just wasn't feeling good and I thought this would help boost my mood and I'm really looking forward to receiving this item or whatever. That is taking a positive step instead of the alternative would be just overspending on Amazon, feeling bad about it, feeling guilty, and then just repeating the process. So you have to like get your foot in the door and start somewhere. So I know just like saying, take the guilt out of it. It's really easy, but really working to actually um, go into this process with the mindset that you are working to make a positive impact is really important too. The next is to track your expenses for the month. I think I say this every single month because nobody does it. If you've never done it before, I want you to just spend and save as you normally would. So don't make any adjustments, um, which is another thing that I see people doing if they're like, okay, I'm tracking my expenses, so I'm not going to spend as I normally would because we don't want to confront what the actual amount is that we're spending on things. It's not really super helpful, right? Because it doesn't give us that accurate picture of how we're spending and saving our money. Just spend as you normally would or do it at the end of the month. So just spend and save as you normally would. And then at the end of the month, go back in your bank statement and look at how you spent your money. That might be a better way to go about it. That is a personal choice if you don't want to do it as you go because you feel like you might be susceptible to shaving off a couple hundred bucks. Do it at the end of the month so that you can be really honest with yourself. The next is to review that spending. So after you track for the month, review that spending, see how much you're spending in each area and do one of those gut checks with yourself to see if that amount is comfortable and makes sense for your situation. So at the end of the month, if you've looked back, you're like, okay, well, I spent $500 on restaurants, not just, not groceries, just restaurants going out to eat. Does that feel like an amount that 
makes sense in my life or is that way too much would it be more realistic to spend three hundred dollars a month on restaurants you will know when you look at the number your um your emotions and your head will tell you if that feels like an okay number or if you're like shocked you will know your next thing number four is to open up nerd wallet if you don't know what nerd wallet is they have a ton of great resources one of the tools that i use most often is their compound interest calculator. So put that amount in to see what that money could be doing for you if it was used for long-term goals. So if you just track your expenses at the end of the month and you're looking at how much you spent on restaurants, let's see, it's $500. Now open up your nerd wallet, compound interest calculator, and put that amount in to see what that can get you if your money was being put towards saving for a house, saving for a car, something like that, instead of just on restaurant. Your next step, number five, is to set realistic boundaries for spending goals and try it out for the month. This is at the end of the month, so let's say it's May. At the end of the month, look forward to your June budget and say, what's a realistic spending boundary I could set for restaurants, for going out to coffee? So maybe it's $300 and then try it out for the month. This is not an overnight fix. It takes a lot of trial and error. Maybe you do $300 a month and you're like, okay, that was still more than I need. And you can cut it down again to like 250 and that's still plenty of room for yourself. That's great. It's trial and error. And this last one is to crunch those numbers on your long-term goals. How much is the vacation you want to take next year going to cost you? And how much would you need to save every month to make that happen? And how much do you need to put towards retirement each month to reach your goals? So I find this helps to put extra spending into perspective because if you need to put $500 a month towards retirement and you're spending currently $700 a month on extra stuff and you never have anything left to put towards your retirement goals, it can really incentivize people to trim that extra spending so you can put what you need towards retirement to reach your goals. So if you're sitting there at the end of the month and you've tracked your expenses and you're like, okay, well, I only put $100 towards retirement, but I'm spending $700 on stuff that is not necessary stuff. So can I cut $400 of that and put it towards retirement to reach my goals and then still put that extra amount towards something else? And I find that to be really helpful to see the bigger picture of things. Okay, so hopefully that was helpful. Let me know what questions you have. Come hang out with me on Instagram, on social media. I love to talk to you guys over there. Let me know your thoughts. Um, what you're working through, how you're working to improve your money habits. And if you're listening to this episode, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag me because I love to see people are enjoying these episodes and sharing it and getting the word out because it helps not just me like grow the audience, but it can have a huge impact on obviously new people that are have no idea where to start, which is really my goal is to get as many people on board of like, let's get the debt paid off. Let's start enjoying your money and feeling less guilty about it. Let's start feeling confident. And if you can share it with somebody who can really in, use this information, I would be super thankful for that. And I'm sure they would too. So please feel free to share on Instagram, tag me, send me a DM, let me know you listened. And I would love to talk to you over there. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great weekend.